Are you tired of scrounging YouTube and trying to find jujitsu technique videos only to be let down by stuff that doesn't work or different camera shots that you don't totally understand? Well, I have a great resource for you. TFSJujitsu.com is an online archive that has tons of different techniques from gi and no gi, from everything from submissions to defenses to takedowns. It was all put together by Jiu-Jitsu black belt Ben Tallini. His one focus in mind was to put together a large database with stuff that actually works and with good, solid content. The videos feature many different instructors from the Syracuse area, and he puts a lot of thought and consideration into putting the website together. So if you want an online resource full of great videos and great technique, of stuff that actually works, tfsjujitsu.com is your place to go. That's tfsjujitsu.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Corycast. This episode, I sat down with my friend, real estate mentor, life coach, whatever you want to call her. She's got a lot of titles. She wears a lot of different hats. Uh, Donna Jordan. Her and her husband have been giant impacts in my life, and I am very thankful that I have them in my life. Donna was the reason why I got into real estate after I sat down and had a cup of coffee with her, and we chatted about what the business was like, what I could do, what I couldn't do, why I needed to come to real estate. I just kind of knew that I had to make the jump from retail to real estate. Donna and I have a long history. When I was 17 years old, I was a cashier at PetSmart, and she was the dog trainer there, one of the, honestly, one of the best trainers. And we've always had a great relationship, and she's always been a source of good advice and wisdom ever since I've met her. So it was nice having her on the podcast. We got I got to kind of pick her brain a little bit about real estate. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Donna Jordan. recording donna my mentor doing a podcast with me i like it Mm. nice i should tell you that this uh, doesn't have a video element it's just audio only i just do the video for the purpose of recording the taking the audio part of it so very cool i think it's easier to talk face to face yeah yeah when it's on the phone you can't see somebody's expressions It, it makes for a weirder conversation right should we um, clarify that the slurp, occasional slurping noises are oh, yeah. from us drinking coffee? Yes, coffee. <laughs> 10 a.m., we're just slurping on some coffee. Well, we could say that it's like Bailey's in our coffee. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so my mentor, why did you get into uh, real estate? What made you so interested in it? I had done this myself personally nine times. You were a FISBO Um, nine times? uh, Well, no, not a FISBO, but I had bought and sold um, nine times and twice out-of-state relocations. So I had had done the real estate hokey pokey many times, 
and always really enjoyed it. Um, loved the house hunting, loved the listing prep, just, it was exciting and I liked it. You know, I think we all have those buyers and sellers who weeks or even months after the transaction is closed, they're still in our real scout looking at properties. And that was me. So once my kids got to an age where they didn't really need me around quite as much anymore and they were becoming more independent, I decided to get my license and start real estating. That's cool. That's sweet. It seems like a very, uh, it's an interesting way. It's funny that you say that about people still looking at houses. I, there's a, a deal that I closed last week, and I saw him this morning looking at at houses on on the Real Scout app. And and be honest, your initial response was like, "What are you doing? What's wrong?" Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh my God, you love the porch and you love the backyard. What do you don't? Please don't double think right now. It's already closed. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how people are like that. I have a few of those too that are like that. Yeah, he might be. Those might be the uh, your future agents. Those might be good people to talk to down the road about becoming real estate agents. That was me. Um, you know, I was I was hooked. So interesting. Did um, yeah. Was there like why did you end up interviewing for Howard Hanna? Did you interview at a, a bunch of other places? Really good question. So I did. I interviewed with a couple of different brokers, and I was really on the fence until I met with Mark Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I met with Mark Ray and had a conversation with him about, it wasn't so much about, you know, my conversations up to that point had really been about my business and how I was going to make money and, and kind of all the superficial stuff. Right. And then my conversation with Mark Ray was more about my soul. It was more mm-hmm. about the things that drive me and what's important, what's important to me and how that was going to fit into the model, which at that time was Realty USA. Right. Um, but honestly, since then moving to Howard Hanna, it has not changed that model. If anything, it's amplified it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, right. that, that was it. After I met with Mark, I, I, I signed that day. I mm-hmm. was like, yep, I'm sold. I'm, this is what I'm doing. This is where I belong. Yeah. I can tell it's a good fit. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't interview with anybody other than you guys because I knew you were there. You were going to be my mentor. And then uh, all the great positive things that you said about Howard Hanna pretty much sold me from the jump. I didn't really I didn't interview actually, anywhere else. They were actually in a transition when I was ready to make my decision. Mm -hmm. So the existing manager had left and Shauna was in the process of coming over, but she wasn't there yet. Mm -hmm. So that was why, and I knew Tammy Hoffman. Now Tammy Hoffman, who I had met in my dog training classes, and actually the dog that I met her with just passed away. Oh, so sad. I know, but, and then Tammy was my real estate agent. Um, So I had reached out to Tammy and said, hey, what about me coming to work with you? Um, I knew that mentoring was something that I wanted yeah. because I wanted the support. I didn't really want to be on my own. Yeah. Um, so I contacted Tammy and she was like, oh my gosh, that would be great. But we don't have a manager right now. So <laughs> talk to Mark Ray. So that's why I went out and met with Mark. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's weird. It's Some brokerages don't even do the mentorship program. The stuff online that I've read is always like, hey, when you sign on to a brokerage, you should go work for a team if they don't have a mentorship program and that's good too. But I don't know. I kind of like the whole mentor being under somebody's wing. 
Um, I like the mentor. I think that the focus on your personal development, having all the training and mm-hmm. support that we have, um, and the fact that we don't pay for it. You know, there yeah. are some places that do, they have you go join a team, um, but that's, you know, you're paying for that to yeah. some degree. Wow. Or they offer a mentorship program, but a portion of your commissions go to your mentor. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not for nothing. I had, you know how it is when you get your real estate license, you got lots of stuff to pay for and not yeah. a lot of money coming in. So right. I really wasn't looking for more things to pay for. Yeah. And the fact that Howard Hanna was going to pay for my, you know, pay for my training and pay for pay my mentor to work with me was great. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting idea because when getting into real estate is tough, especially in your pocket, you need a, a pretty big savings to keep business rolling. But it seems like the people that are the most persistent and keep up with it are the ones that end up paying off. Like if you can get through your first like three years, then things start to kind of start to go. Yeah. Things start to roll a lot better, but it's like, uh, there's a saying in martial arts, it's a a black belt is a white belt that didn't quit. Yeah. And it's a lot like physical training in a way that you, you have to, you have to kind of get started to get where you want and you're not going to get there for a while. If I, I I often tell people, if I told you, Oh, I have this great job where you're going to, um, pay, you know, a bunch of money and get a license. And then if you work really, really hard, you might get a paycheck in two or three months. Yeah. Right. (laughs) They'd be like, no. Yeah. Right. There's like a weird, uh, it's like a, I don't know how to ex- explain them. There's, there's a, could be a lag in at least three, four months until you get a paycheck. And that's like, that could be the best case scenario. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, but once you get rolling and you're also setting up a business. So I don't know any business where you really start a brand new business and make any money in the first year, yeah, period. Right. So the fact that you can start up a business for a few thousand dollars um, it, it is a really good value. And, you know, if you work hard like you have and you work it like a job, then there's, you know, good money to be made. And I almost think more importantly, there's really good satis- satisfaction to be had. Yeah. That is one of the reasons I became a real estate agent. Yeah. Um, it, it Happiness is super, super important. And having a job that makes you feel this good this often, yeah, um, it's not for the faint of heart. You've experienced, this is a, it's a heartbreak at some points. Highs and lows. Yeah, like for sure. Very rarely, we're either like, wow, this is awesome, or we are not sleeping. Or <laughs> we are crying in the shower drinking a beer. <laughs> in the shower exactly there's never like a happy medium but the highs are so high and so awesome right and the fact that we and it sounds corny but we get to be a part of people's story we get to be a part of their actual life you know we're not selling refrigerators nothing against people who sell refrigerators but we're we're talking about where people live and make their home and have their family and, and make their memories and it, you know, I have, you've worked with a lot of first time home buyers. Yeah. For the rest of their lives, 
you are the real estate agent yeah, that made it possible for these people to buy their first home. Yeah, it's so wild. That, it's, I've said it before. It's it's a job that I get a chance to fill my cup and also theirs. You know, yeah. it's a yeah. It's definitely more rewarding, at least in the sense from retail. Like you said, it's retail is like, hey, here you go. Here's a lawnmower. See you later. Nothing like nothing against it. I met a lot of cool people, and there's a lot of great people that do that. But being the difference between saying, "Yeah, it's a 28 inch cut lawnmower." Yeah, there you go. Have a good day. And then being well, like, "Here's and, the key to so- your first house." You know, can you go above and beyond in retail? Yes, you yeah. can go in the back and check and see if there's a bagging attachment for that yeah. lawnmower. Right. But no one, you know. Not no one. My husband would probably remember it for years, but most people, <laughs> most people are not going to sit back years from now and go, "Oh, remember when Corey went in the back and yeah. checked the socket at right. the store and lost the bagging?" No one's going to do. It. But they do that about real estate. Yeah. You're part. You're part of the history of their family, and I just think that's that's awesome. It also warrants a certain amount of reverence. I think you know we have to um, kind of be up to the task. We mm-hmm. have to be as honorable and trustworthy and reliable and and forthcoming as yeah. that position requires. Right. I'm always shocked at the amount of people that don't know realtors have a code of ethics. Like I'm always when I mention it to somebody they're always like, "What? What do you mean?" And you have to yeah. go into details like, "Listen, like fair housing laws are real. I have to be honest. I can't withhold you know, material facts about the how, like everybody's always shocked when they hear that. Cause they think that our trust level is just above a used car salesman, you know? And the fact that I think the general public really doesn't understand how real estate works. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Totally. I got somebody the other day that said, uh, Oh, you got, you're selling a house on my street. And I was like, I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> You know, it's Howard Hanna. Um, exactly, exactly. So it's kind of, kind of, kind of cute. Yeah, no. You get those questions that you're like, man, I forget that this is such a niche business, and it's how many how many times do people really buy a house in their life? Maybe like four times. I don't know what the average is. Four times, five times, maybe in a lifetime. Well, and I find myself. I'm I'm going to have this conversation today, actually, with a buyer. I find myself telling people to lean into the fact that they're going to do this once every three, five, seven, maybe 10 years. Yeah. God willing, I'm going to do this 45 times this year. Right. And every year or more. So benefit from my perspective and my, my view of things, because I'm doing this many, many, many times. And I like that perspective. I like that. How you word yep. that? That's good. Yep, yep, yep. That's interesting. How do you I keep a? a... Go ahead. Go no. Go ahead. I was going to say, how do you keep your pipeline full with clients and potential buyers and sellers? You know, I don't. I don't focus on that. Mm. I think that's that's an important point. Um, I focus on um, being available, being responsive which are those two things right there will set you apart from 50% of the people in this business. Right. Um, also making sure that people know who I am and how to reach me and that I'm in real estate and, and blah, 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 blah. 
Um, I think if you focus on the reasons you got into this business, if you focus on doing things that speak to you, the business comes. Mm -hmm. I think agents who focus purely on getting business spend a lot of time chasing business. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Chasing so, business. Yep. And my mentor told me from the beginning, don't don't chase the money because people who chase the money are always chasing. That's why you gave me a million dollar bill and said, there you go. Right. You have all the money in the world. Now you don't have all to the chase money it. In the world. Now do the right thing for the right reasons. And I can't tell you how many times um, I've had clients that were not, I had my first year in real estate, someone called the office. They wanted to see a $30,000 trailer in Pulaski. Oh no, was it Pulaski or it was Parrish? Mm -hmm. And they were having a hard time getting an agent to show it to them because it was a $30,000 trailer out in Parrish. I'm a brand new agent. What am I doing? I got nothing else to yeah, do. I'll tell it to you. And it was a lead off the internet and I couldn't call them on the phone. I had to text or email. So there was a part of me that was like, is this a scam? Yeah. And she was saying that they were hearing impaired and their relay didn't work because they were on cell service and like all this. So I made my husband go with me and we drove out to Parrish yeah. and pulled up at this trailer. And here is my client with her hearing aids and her husband. Aww. And come to find out they had like $35,000 in cash to purchase a home. They didn't want to have a mortgage. And the first thing I did was talk them out of buying this, not, not talk them out of it, but talk to them about the benefits of buying an actual brick and mortar house versus mm. buying a trailer on a lot in parish. Yeah. And they ended up purchasing a foreclosure home that was an actual house and did the renovations and the remodel themselves. I did all of that. I was driving back and forth from Walcott. Do you know where Walcott is? Nope. Exactly. <laughs> driving back and forth from Walcott thinking, I'm not going to make any money on this deal. Like, when all is said and done, I'm getting the mileage right off. That's it. Well, a couple weeks after it closed, I got a call from Kathy, our admin, saying she had a $1,500 check for me. Hmm. I had no idea there, were, had, there was a minimum commission on this uh, transaction. Oh, interesting. That's happened to me over and over and over again. Do the right thing for the right reasons yeah. and success comes. Right. Um, I've had people that I've helped and made no money who have then referred me to two, three, four, five other yeah. people. Right. So I think, you know, and that's part, that goes back to integrity. That goes back to some of the core values that I spoke about that day with Mark Gray. Yeah. Having the, you know, having integrity and doing the right thing for the right reasons. Yeah, without, like, without expecting something from it. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, that's, that's big. Have you, you mentioned uh, when you were doing dog training, did you take any of your tools of the trade from dog training into this? Oh, yes, absolutely. What, were, what are, like, some of the bigger ones? <laughs> um, I use a lot of analogies mm. and because it's hard for people to kind of wrap their head around the whole process of buying or selling a home. And I think it's also kind of hard to, for people to wrap their head around the whole process of behavior modification, something that's foreign to you. So if you can relate it to something, um, you know, we talk a lot about buying a home is like getting on a roller coaster. Yep. And 
There are, yeah. you know, there are times that you're like, woohoo! And time you're holding on for your life and screaming. Yeah. And Typically, right before closing is the lowest part of that roller coaster because you want to close, you want to move, you want to know what's happening, and Lord help us, we are in the hands of lawyers at that point. So, and then I typically, I, you know, I I refer back to that analogy. Remember when I told you that this was a roller coaster and this was the most stressful part? And it kind of reminds them. Um, so I do use a lot of analogies, which I also did in dog training. I also listen to people more than I speak, which is another tool that I kind of brought over from dog training. Hmm. Um, and I think that is super important in real estate because you have to know what your client wants in order to meet their needs. All right. Right. Yeah. Tammy does a good job with that. Yeah, she's great at that. When I see her working with a client, like when she's in the conference room, like man, she's she's good with words. Not not like that. She's like a a smooth talking salesman. She just genuinely cares about her clients, and mm -hmm. it it shows in her conversations with people, which is very nice. Well, and and she, Tammy has has a, a gift um, that you have as well. Uh oh, <laughs> I'd add. And what, what it's gift? to be able to, it, you and Tammy both have this ability to deliver information to someone in a way that is not questioned. Mm. And it, it, it really, it's something I don't think you can teach somebody how to do. I remember I had a listing and they had these hor horrible bifold plastic doors installed in the doorways. And I had said, we really should take those out. And the guy was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. The new owners can take it out. And I'm like, well, they really look bad. And he's like, yeah, but if jam and repaint. And I just, I don't want to deal with it. I'm not doing it. And I'm like, well, but it would really make that. He's like, look, I'm not doing it. <laughs> okay. So Tammy comes over. We did a tour, broker's open tour or office tour. And Tammy comes over, walks in is talking to the homeowner and goes, by the way, these bifold doors have got to go. <laughs> it, it, they've got, and he was like, oh, he was literally taking the darn things off before we even left from That's the funny. door. And I'm standing there going, really? Really? <laughs> five times. That's so funny. Sometimes and, people and, just want to hear it from another person, I guess. Yeah, but I've seen you do it too, where you just, you know, you just, you deliver information and people are like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, He's right. Oh, you man. Know, and I didn't even I know I did that. That's a talent. You've Dang, got it. I didn't it. even know that. In this yeah, business, yeah. you have to like wear a lot of different hats. How mm -hmm. how do you manage all the different hats you wear from an agent to a psychologist to... <laughs> <laughs> Home stager. Yeah, right. Counselor, financial um, consultant. A mom, a wife. How do you manage all those different hats? And, and you and I have had this conversation before, and I think it, one of the most important things to tell new people getting into this business is if you want to be successful, if you want to be successful for the long term, and if you're, if you're looking long term and thinking long game, one of the things you have got to do is you have got to make the things that matter in your life a priority. 
This is a great job. And those highs are so high, they are literally addicting. Right. But this job will consume you yeah. if you let it. Right, for sure. And I think it's important to spend a little time, um, whether you call it meditating or just thinking or ruminating on what are the things that matter most to you? What are the things that really um, speak to your core values? And make sure that you're making time for those because this job will eat up all of your time and you will find that you're neglecting your spouse, your family, um, your friends, and things that are important to you. So you have to make those things an appointment. You have yeah. to make those things, make time for those things. Time block them out. The number, I break everything down into three categories. The three most important things are happiness, good health, and a sense of accomplishment, sense of value. And happiness, where, you know, where is the happiness coming from in your life? And then make sure that you're making time for those things. And some of it's going to be derived from work. Some of it's going to be derived from family. Some of it may be derived from hobbies. Some of it may be derived. And some of these things will overlap because some of your um, physical fitness activities may also carry over into the good health. All right category. And when it comes to good health, you know, that that's a that's a big deal for everybody. That's a big deal for realtors. You know, yeah. we are notorious for um multitasking while we're driving yeah. and injuring or killing ourselves or others. Don't do that. Yeah. Um jamming Wendy's fries down your mouth in between showing Wendy's fries down your <laughs> mouth and calling that a meal, right? <laughs> And, and working, you know, these crazy hours and, 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 and even, you know, going into vacant buildings when it's like minus 40 outside and mm -hmm. like, you know, you have to make sure that you're keeping your goals of having good health on the radar right. and that you're not sacrificing. You don't want to sacrifice happiness. You don't want to sacrifice your good health and you don't want to sacrifice your sense of accomplishment and worth mm -hmm. and whether that's participating in volunteerism, in the community, whether it's being um, a source of support and information for others, whatever it is, um, but identify what the sources are for those three things and make time for them. Yeah, do you, you were saying that you take time to reflect. Do you do that every day? Do you write in a book or do you just think to yourself? I have a couple of things that I do every day. I'm a big visual visualizing person. Yeah. So I and we've done the vision boards at work, and I actually use an app on my phone, and the app on my phone actually kind of taps me on the shoulder three times a day and says, "Hey, stop what you're doing, and take 15 seconds, and let's visualize." And What's the app called? Visu app. V i s u a p p, and you know, there have been times that I'm like, I can't stop and visualize right now. I'm too busy. And it's like, you know what? If you can't stop and take 15 seconds to just pause and take a look at why you're doing what you're doing, then something's wrong. Right. And I have goals, you know, visualization 
um, goals related to my relationships with my family, with my friends, with my coworkers. I have some that are related to financial goals that I have. I have some that are related to health goals that I have. I have some that are related um, to hobbies and, and recreation. And, you know, you can set. So I'm, I do that every single day, three times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I just stop, pause and take it literally takes me 15 seconds to scroll through my um, visualization. I also um, utilize a time management system daily that prioritizes things, not just on a need-to-do basis, but also on a what-matters-most basis. So, and this comes from the Franklin Covey Time Management Program. Yeah, you did something with that, with that right? Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely a believer because, again, your work life will consume you. Yeah. Your work life will take over and like a, like a, like a fog <laughs> mm-hmm. and start to obscure the other things in your life. And, you know, Stephen Covey talks about what are people going to say about you at your funeral? What are they going to write on your tombstone? When you're 90 years old sitting on a rocking chair, what are you going to be reflecting back on? Right, And that though, beginning with the end in mind, that those are the things that if we focus on, we still have to take care of the other stuff, right? You still have to get your paperwork into Kathy by the end of the month. You still have to like do all those other things. But no one ever sat on their porch when they were 90 and said, wow, I'm so proud that I always got my reports in on time. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. Totally. It's going to be about your family. It's going to be about your successes that really matter to you. Right. About the relationships you've built. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's that's a beautiful thing. That's It's definitely one thing that I struggle with. Like a couple of weeks ago, it's you watch all these training videos online that's for realtors. That's like, make sure you get your appointments in. Make, make appointments every day. Yada, yada, yada. And then when you don't have one you kind of feel almost like a failure in a sense, but it's not really yeah. a failure. It's just a moment. Like when I had that Sunday off to do absolutely no appointments, no nothing. And I got to spend time with Ashton and Brittany and it was a, it was a great Sunday. It was like, we had dinner and we spent time together and I'm like, why am I, why am I so, so down on myself when I get to spend, I'm like, I got seven deals pending right now. Why am I being so hard on myself? Just enjoy yep. this Sunday for not having an open house, not having a, a showing appointment just enjoy just relish in the moment a little bit but it's a practice it is a practice and honestly if you had scheduled that mm-hmm. there's something in our brains about scheduling something that makes it okay mm-hmm. if you had scheduled sunday from this time to this time is family time with Brittany and Ashton, that 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 makes it okay. Yeah. Because what you're feeling is, I think, is what you're feeling is, I'm all of a sudden I have free time, so I must be neglecting something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's exactly. Something I'm not doing that I'm supposed to be doing right now because I I shouldn't have free time. Yeah. So don't don't make it free time. Yeah. Make it an appointment. Right. That can be the title of this podcast. Yeah, make it an appointment. Make yeah, that's it an appointment. That was like the first thing you said too when we got married, and we got into. I, that was like when I really started focusing on real estate. That was the first thing you said, and it shows you that I did not listen, and I'm sorry. 
Well, I think anytime we are learning how to do something new, especially something complicated, we need to be a little bit forgiving of ourselves. Don't expect, you know, Donna, the, the real estate mentor guru or whatever, said I should make this an appointment. So, bah, life changed and everything was great. Right. Anytime you're learning to do something new, whether it's time management or time blocking for things that really matter to you, expect to mess up. Yeah. Um, I learned that. I took a class many, many, many years ago about how to do a personal budget. Oh, interesting. And the guy was like, you all are going to walk out of here feeling like I have control over my universe and you're going to try to do a budget and uh, on the second or maybe third month you're going to fail miserably at it. Like it's going <laughs> to it's not going to work and you're going to be like this is not for me. But that doesn't mean it's not for you. It just means that you're learning how to do something new. Right. So the trick is to stick with it. Yeah. Not to try it and when it doesn't work, you know, the first, second or third time, declare a failure and and find something else. You got to stick with it. You have to you have to just like physical fitness. Yeah. It's not easy in the beginning. Um, it's hard, and the more you do it, the better it gets. Yeah, there's. I always look for different parallels between real estate and martial arts, and that's very, very much like a martial. Like you can't just go into the gym your first week and expect to throw a jab cross perfectly. Right, you're gonna drop your hand. You're gonna they call it rowing the boat. You bring your hand down and back, and you can't. You're not. You can't expect to do that on your first your first day. You know. I can tell you something else I brought over from dog training is the fact that it's very difficult for predators to multitask. Hmm. So, and by predators, we're talking about mammals that have their eyes, that have binocular vision. Okay. Uh So in dog training, I'm talking about dogs. In real estate, I'm talking about people. Animals that have their eyes on the side of their head, prey animals, grazing animals are very good at multitasking. Um, anyone who's ever trained a horse knows that it's very difficult to get them to focus, but they can multitask. And that's because grazing animals are like getting food, having a conversation, flirting with their mate, watching their kids, looking out for predators. They're constantly doing 15 or 20 things at a time to the point where their eyes can take in totally different information, their ears and everything. Predators are very good at focusing on one thing to the exclusion of anything else. Right. If your dog has ever seen a squirrel, you have probably experienced this phenomenon. <laughs> yep. Squirrel? They don't hear anything else. They don't feel anything yep. else. They are singularly focused on that one thing. And this happens in real estate with people all the time. Have you ever showed somebody a house and afterwards they're like, was there a dishwasher? Oh, right. right. <laughs> um, you know? Because they people can't people are not good at multitasking. They wa- think about it. How many ten year commitments do you make after meeting somebody one time right. for like thirty minutes? They yeah. come in a house, they walk around while the real estate agent is yapping at them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And especially in, in this market where a lot of people aren't even doing home inspections, mm-hmm. they make a decision to make this huge commitment um, and and they're never even seeing it again. So uh, I've started doing something with my buyers where, you know, we go through and I'm pointing things out and talking to them about this and that. 
And then I say, you know what? I want you to walk through again without me. Well, not without me, but without me talking to you. Mm-hmm. We only have so many neural pathways. Right. We can only process a certain amount of information at a time. Right. And I want my buyers to make well thought out decisions that they're comfortable with, especially in a market that is so hectic. Yeah. And there's so much pressure to pull the trigger and perform. I like that so, idea. That's a really good yeah. idea. Just let them walk through and not, not even say anything. I just walk with them and I don't say a thing. And you know, it's funny because they always, 100% of the time, and you know, we're doing this hundreds of times a month, mm-hmm. right? 100% of the time, they notice something or see something or have a question that they didn't have the first time we walked through. Interesting. That's yeah. cool. I never, I, I feel like I'm probably going to steal that from you. Steal <laughs> <laughs> <No> away. <laughs> I guess imitation is the highest form of flattery. No, that's cool. I didn't. I didn't even think of that. It is kind of a a good idea to get them just to focus in on one thing and not have me. I talk way too much when I go into a a showing in the house. I feel I feel as if I need to uh, fill the voids of quietness because I'm like I got I got to show I got to answer questions. I got to pull some information out of them. I got to see. How you like? What do you think of the layout of the living room? What do you think of the dining room? Is it big enough for your? And you're showing your worth. You're showing your value. Right. Um, and that's fine. And then the second time. Uh huh. And right. I do the same thing. Here we go back to, and you should do a podcast with Tammy Hoffman, by the way. Yeah. But here we go back to what Tammy taught me, which is listen twice as much as you speak. So. I'm walking through with them the first time, pointing things out, talking about features, talking about you know things that are pluses and minuses. And then I, we're walking through a second time where I'm with them and I'm not saying a word. Mm-hmm. If they have a question, I'll answer it. But I'm letting them use. I mean, have you ever been driving and the weather's bad or you're or you're looking for a street and you have to turn the radio down? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. Right. It's the same thing. Yeah. Because we just. Better. We only have so many synapses, right? We only have – Sean is going to love this, by the way. Yep. Our, our rep neural yep. science geek. Yep. She's going to uh, be about that. So <laughs> but we can only process so much information at once. So I really think it's a huge value to our clients to give them that opportunity. Um, so that's something else that I bring in from dog training is, yeah. you know, editors don't multitask well they're awesome at focusing to the exclusion of everything right no it's definitely it's a interesting business because it's just so it's so open-ended it's just there's there is there is sort of a right way to do business right there is sort of these processes that you can do that work but there's so many successful agents that don't do a and b they do their own Mm -hmm. thing like they're like you could pay Mm -hmm. for zillow leads and knock it out of the park with with zillow just just paying for leads on that. You can be a top producer on that. Or you can not spend a dime on any Zillow leads and put your money in uh, like mailing campaigns and you could knock it out of the park with that. It's so interesting because it's not in, – in retail, it's always you do this, you put the end cap up on a sale. Right. That sells increases your dollar amount. Like th- there's a structured way. In real estate, it's kind of mm-hmm. that way but not not fully – that makes sense. I think that there are there are some things there are some common threads that 
that go through all, but this is a personal business yeah. and every, and everyone does it differently. And I really think that one of the components of success is finding the way your business is going to operate. Right. Something that's you. Right. Because what, what works for, for one person isn't necessarily what's going to work for another. Right. Um, and this is, especially in the beginning, it's very much a try it and see. Try it yeah. and see. See what works for you. Right. Um, one of the things, you know, it's interesting because you talk about, you know, there's so many people that do real estate and then there's so many people that just do things differently. And one of the things that's important to me, one of my core values is sharing and helping other people, especially in our office, but mm -hmm. in our business. Right. Uh, and this this goes back to sort of a lot of stuff in in my upbringing, but there's no secret of you know you said you're going to steal that you can't steal anything from me because mm -hmm. I will openly and happily share anything that I do that is successful. Right. I feel like that, you know, you talk about how we have like this used car kind of persona, used right. car salesman persona. I think if real estate agents could be more forthcoming with each other, right. that it would, that that would be a shift. So yeah. I'm going to give you, I can give you one right now. Um, something that has gotten me a listing every single year since I started in real estate. And it is something that I do this time of year. So I hope there's other real estate agents who are listening to your podcast. And I hope everybody takes this idea and runs with it. And if anybody takes this idea, runs with it, and ends up getting a listing out of it, I would love it if they would let us know. This is the time of year when I reach out to a farm or a community or an area that I'm interested in doing listings. And I extend the offer to do exterior photos of their property. Mm -hmm. Are you thinking of selling in the spring? If you are, let me have professional photographs taken of your property right now. Let your property stand out because if you're listing in March or April, everybody else is going to have snow pictures. Yeah. Let me have a professional photographer go and take beautiful exterior photos of your home right now and right now, like the trees are gorgeous, the grass is green and lush, like people, you know, have mums and things are blooming. And this is a great time of year to take those photographs so that when they're ready to list in the spring, who's the agent who has the gorgeous pictures of the outside of their house? That's you. All right. You're paying for those photos. Those photos belong to you. Mm -hmm. So when they're ready to list in the spring, it's a no brainer. They're going to go to you. Yeah. That's interesting. So I do this with a postcard, and you know that we have amazing support with our incredible um, graphic design and marketing team. Can they just and put together you, something for you? You just tell them what you want to do. You can even say, hey, do you want to do the postcard like that one Donna Jordan does over here? <laughs> and uh, they'll know what you're talking about. And, um, and send it out to your farm. It's not expensive. It's a, maybe going to cost you a couple hundred bucks in, in printing and postage. Mm -hmm. And... If it gets you one listing, it just paid for itself. Right. What, and paid over. Yeah, right. Um, that has I have gotten a, at least one or more listings out of that campaign every single year since I started in real estate. Every year, huh? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Are there so 
there's that marketing campaign you do every year. Are there other ones you do on a regular, like, do you do one in spring, one in summer? How do you? There's a couple different things that I do, and some of them have morphed and changed with, you know, what's going on kind of in the yeah, world. Right. Um, I also am very involved. The community that I live in where I do a lot of farming, I'm actually a board member for our community association, and I write an article for our community newsletter. Oh, nice. So that has been a re- – yeah, that's been a really good connect. What's the article uh, usually about? Real estate? It's, it's about real estate, and – Sometimes it's about the market. Um, at the end of the year, um, I always do a real estate recap and talk about, give them all the averages. What was the highest price paid for a house in our neighborhood? What was the lowest? How many sold? What was the average days on market? Mm. That kind of stuff. Um, I do some articles that are specific to the construction of our homes. So, all of the homes in my neighborhood were built by a builder named Campolino and Fadi. And they're beautifully built, solid homes. Um, but they all have, they were all built with chimneys. And the majority of the chimneys had this parge coating on them. Mm. So I did an, not only did I do an article about what are your options when it's time to reparge your chimney. Um, What's a parge? Is that on the outside? It's that stucco-like coating. Oh, okay. And, and it's, if you if you live in this neighborhood, we've all got chimney hangups, right? Because the barge coating is, is a, is a recurring thing that has to be, has to be dealt with. And some people end up siding it and some people have different, there's a bunch of different ways you can kind of address it. So I wrote an article about that and then also reached out to a couple local contractors and had them provide either um, free estimates Mm. or coupons and discounts off services. What does this do? Well, for one thing, it's giving value, right? I'm helping the people in my community. It's identifying me as an expert. I know this about the real estate in our community. This is is an issue. And that newsletter article with the coupons and the phone numbers of the contractors is not going in the trash. Right. Yeah, they're gonna they're so, gonna put it right on the refrigerator. They're gonna put it right on the refrigerator, and that would be the other tip that I would share as far as campaigns go. If you're gonna mail something, find a way to get it on the fridge. Mm. That should be part of your mission. Because what what do you do when you get a postcard in the mail from somebody? Recycling bin. Right, the recycling bin. Not that there isn't some value in it, because yeah. somewhere in your lizard brain you still saw that person's name and, yeah. and picture. Yeah, totally. But if that had a list on it of all the dates for brush pickup and all the dates that garbage was delayed, mm-hmm. where would you then put that postcard? Right on the refrigerator. Right on the refrigerator. If that had a coupon on it for a discount off dog grooming, right? I did a campaign with two grooming salons, one in Fulton and one in Liverpool, privately owned, independently owned and operated local businesses, which is another sort of pillar of my business model is to help support other local businesses. And I said, Hey, I'll do a postcard mailing if you provide the coupon. Uh And if you get a a postcard in the mail and, and again, we have this awesome award-winning graphic design and marketing team. They made this great postcard, little dog with cucumber slices on her eyes, having a spa day. (laughs) It it was really cute. And it had a coupon on it for $10 off your first groom. Yeah. That is a postcard that's going to stay in someone's purse 
or go on the refrigerator and not get thrown right in the trash. So when you're doing mailings, find a way to add that value. Find a way to end up on the fridge and not the recycling bin. Yeah, there. Jared James has that that video where he talks about how agents are kind of almost in too much of a bragging business where it's always, hey, I sold this house. Look at this house. Look at this. Look at what I did. Look what I accomplished. I did this this year. And we're not providing anything of value. And those agents that are giving something to their clients, we're giving, we're sharing information, we're sharing knowledge. Those are the ones that tend to be the more successful, like five, six, 10 years down the road, rather than like always gloating about, Another one sold. Another one sold. Hey, guess what? I sold this one. Like it, it gets kind of old. I think with people, they want to come to it you does. as a source. It does. Um, I did. I'll give you an example too, where I've I've changed something. So, I did a couple of charitable giving campaigns where I announced, "Hey, um, I'm going to give a portion of my earnings for you know this month or these months to." this charity. And we did a drawing on Facebook live to identify one charity. I have people come in and vote and all of that's great, right? It's getting hits on my social media. It's getting my name out there. It gives people good feels when they do business with me. But at the end of the day, is it really charitable giving if I'm using it to promote myself? Oh, I get you. So when I got my Hannah mobile, I did a 10 spot challenge and it was if you spot my Hannahmobile and you shoot, take a selfie of yourself with it and post it on your Instagram or Facebook with this hashtag, I will donate $10 to the charity of your choice. Nice. And I had a gentleman who saw my car at Wegmans and I put I would put flyers under my back windshield <laughs> wiper blade <sighs> and he did a selfie, but he emailed me and said, you know, this is great, but it would be even more great if you weren't using it to promote your business. Ah, interesting. And you know what? He's absolutely right. Because that's not charitable giving. That's Mm -hmm. advertising. Right. So spent some time ruminating, meditating, whatever you want to call it about is, is what I want to do advertising or is it charitable giving? What is it that I really want to do? Right. Because if it's, because if it's advertising, keep doing it. <laughs> right. Because it's working. Right. But if what I really want to do is charitable giving, I need to stop talking about it. Mm. So you'll notice that I'm not talking about it anymore. Right. It doesn't mean that I'm not still donating and I'm not still making that part of my business model because I truly, truly believe in my heart and one of my core values is that if I'm making money off the community, I have an obligation to give back. That's but powerful. I'm, but I've made a decision not to talk about it anymore. That's a power. That's powerful. I think that I didn't even think of that to be honest. But that's a that's a great reason. It's yeah. I don't know. That's I guess I never really thought about it like that. It kudos for you for being open minded about it and taking a step back and being like, oh, maybe maybe he does have a point. Because I think some people would be like, no. You're wrong. I'm, you know, like people would be kind of brash about stuff. Like you're that. a jerk. Yeah, you're a jerk. I'm doing something nice for the community. But it, it, kudos for you to like taking a step back and being very reflective on that. That's cool. So it happens when you get old. <laughs> when you get old. Come on. So what, like, what are your, uh, what's the, the future marketing plan? Are you coming up with more ideas? 
or are you keeping them under one of your many hats? I mean, I'm, I always have ideas. Um, I always, you know, things always come up and, um, sometimes they come up kind of out of nowhere. I have this little, I, I jokingly call them my shower epiphanies, right? Mm, right. Because when we're in the shower, we're not multitasking. We're not doing other things. And all of a sudden, boom, we have an idea because we're actually allowing our brain to re- rest and relax. Excuse me. I let my dog in. Oh yeah, sure. Holding up a sign. Um, I was going to say, usually when I'm in the shower, it's I'm crying and having a beer. No. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> it makes it sound so depressing. It's just a joke, everybody, okay? My my mom listening right now is going to be worried about me. I'm just joking, mom. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> um, so, like, I was in the shower a few months or so ago, and my community usually does a lot of stuff in the summertime. We have a huge picnic with like a DJ and face painters and clowns. And we couldn't do any of that this year. So instead of doing that, we took the money that we usually spend on the picnic and we did a random drawing and gave out, I think it was $25, $50 gift certificates Mm -hmm. to people in our community to support our sponsors. So the local businesses that pay for advertising in our newsletter So that was nice. But then I had this idea. Everyone's been cooped up with COVID and people have been working on their houses. You know, we noticed walking around the neighborhood that people have really. So we had a curb appeal contest. Mm -hmm. Have you been cooped up in your neighborhood, you know, cooped up in your home and, and sprucing things up? And we had a bunch of people enter the curb appeal contest. And then I provided prizes that were gift certificates to our to our sponsors for our community. That's cool. So that was kind of a nice way to remind everybody that I'm a real estate agent, yeah. provide some value, and have it have it be something fun. And we had the Iron Gate Association board members go out and judge the properties that entered. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, all the folks that entered provided their name and email address. So I was able able to offer them the neighborhood news newsletter Mm. uh, and put them in my CRM. So now not only do I have a whole bunch of new people to put in my CRM and my neighborhood news, these are also people who take pride in their property and make it look nice. Yeah. Right. So those are the sellers we want. So that's cool. uh, Yeah. Things kind of come up and, and pop up that way. Um, and then obviously continuing to keep in touch with and um, stay connected to my clients and my sphere. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's super pretty important. Sweet. I asked uh, Chris Thielen this question when I talked to him. If you could change one thing in our business, whether it be the model, the flow, the perception, uh between is a two-parter i think i asked between realtors and between clients what, what would you change um i think i would encourage a more cooperative spirit mm. um going back to you know i was at a gri class and they were talking about um has anybody done anything you know that's helped their business and they called you know they kind of went around the room and people were saying stuff and this one guy's like why would i tell you guys something i've done that's helped my business i'm not going to tell you that oh and i turned around and looked at him and said just so you know that's what's wrong <laughs> with our industry yeah right you know guys there's enough business for everybody there really is yeah there really really is and if we had a more cooperative spirit 
I had uh, I have an agent that I'm doing a deal with right now. She works for another brokerage. She lives all the way over on the east side of town. And we were talking about something and she was telling me that she has a listing coming up over in in this neighborhood right near me. Mm-hmm. So instead of being like, damn it, why does she have a listing coming up? <laughs> yeah, right. I was talking to her a little bit about some of the things that I've been doing. Um, she was talking about that they're, uh, you know, her seller is particular, particularly stressed about having people come into their home with the whole COVID thing going on. And I said, look, I have done this several times this year where I list on a Thursday, no showings till Friday, no offers till Monday. And I tell my people to bug out for the weekend, take mm-hmm. off. Right. Um, her listing is going to be one of the ones it's an updated ranch at a low price point. It's going to be a feeding frenzy. So yeah. why not get your people out of Dodge for the weekend? Right. It's going to sell. You're going to have multiple offers. And she was like, Oh my God, that's such a great idea. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I can't believe you're sharing this with me. And I said, well, I'll take it a step further. If they're not going to be there for the weekend, you live all the way over in Casanova. I live literally like four blocks away. You're going to want to check on the property a couple times a day because you want to make sure it's locked up at night. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure, you know, if you want the lights left on, that the lights are being left on. I'd right. be happy to go over and check on the property for you every day. That's cool total silence on the other end of the phone right she was like are you where did you come from (laughs) right (laughs) that this is what our industry needs yeah this this don't be take away it doesn't need to be adversarial you know we should all be on even in a transaction i can't understand agents who are us versus them. We're all on team closing, right? Yeah, right. right. We're all on team transaction here. We're all on. T- I mean, we have to do our fiduciary and we have to look out for our clients, but but the end goal for everyone should be the same. Right. So, I think that that if I could change one thing, it would be to en- and I'm trying to engender and inspire a more cooperative spirit between real estate agents yeah i think that's i think that's big um there was an agent imagine if doctors imagine if doctors were like real estate agents how bad would that be for oh, medicine yeah. right that, that would just completely like, divide the business yeah it would divide i'm not consulting with him i'm not telling him how i cured that disease yeah right right it's so wild. <laughs> yeah there was uh a couple months ago um there was an agent that had a house listed and I had two clients that were interested in the property and they put mm-hmm. purchased offers in. So mm-hmm. one was a good friend of mine. One was, uh, was like a distant friend of a friend, parents kind of thing. So I gave them both the situation. I said, look, I'm, I'm also submitting an offer on an, with another buyer. These buyers are very good friends of mine. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know that I'm not going to divulge that information that we're going to keep it all separate. I'm going to help you guys coach in, coach you to make the best offer possible but if you're not comfortable with it i can find another agent who would who would write up write up the offer and they were like no 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 it's fine it's fine and shauna recommended that i just get like a contract addendum just in writing to make sure everybody's good and there's nobody that goes back on it so uh, i held on to the addendum submitted the the two con purchase contracts and then uh neither of my clients got it because it was one of the crazy like 20 offers on one house but that agent called me a month later 
And she said, hey, I saw that you were an ABR, and I remember that you had two listings submitted on my listing. I'm kind of in a similar situation, and I don't know what to do. And I was like, holy shit, you're calling me? Yeah, this is exactly, here's what I do. I'll give you the whole, I gave her the scenario. I sent her a blank copy of the contract addendum to her. Um, And yeah, I just, I think there's going to be a come a time where she's going to, I might need help from her. So mm-hmm. if you just stay open and pot, like, why is it, that shouldn't be a trade secret. Hey, look, I have two it, people that wanted to put an offer in the same time. We shouldn't have trade secrets. Yeah. We should all be advocates of the process. And if we could have, that is awesome. If we could have that right. cooperative spirit throughout our industry. Yeah. We're, we're, there's enough business for everybody. Yeah, I like your analogy not, to the doctors. I cured, you know, I cured AIDS. I'm yeah. not going to show him how to how to do it. I'm yeah, going to keep the patent on the exactly. medicine. Like, Jesus Christ. I think those analogies are from dog training. Yeah. But, you know, but think how much how much better things would be if if we all shared the things that have worked for us. If we all shared the, the, the things that were bad ideas. The things yeah. that... Right. That didn't go so well. Hey, right? I fudged up on this. Don't make this mistake. But but ego has to get out of the way. And people have to stop feeling like by by doing that, they're taking money out of their pocket, which yeah. they're not. Right. They are not. You're not taking money. No. You, you helping that agent didn't take a dime out of your pocket. Nope. You know? Um, nope. Yeah. Unless yep. she had those two offers and on another house that I submitted, and then I just doubled her chance. Whatever, what are you gonna do? It's I just love. I just like helping her, of, and they're she's well, a sweet and person. I'm a little bit of a fatalist. When talk about stuff like that. I'm a little bit of a fatalist, and even if you had another offer on that same listing, you know, things have a way of falling into place. Yeah, um, doesn't mean we shouldn't try hard and shouldn't work hard and do all the right things, but. You know, if you're, when I was younger, I hate to say if it's meant to be, I yeah, was born it's meant to be right. That's when I was younger and yeah. I first met you with my giant crop of hair. When the, somebody said, <laughs> what's meant to be is meant to be. I was like, that's horseshit. Like seven, a young 17 year old man. I'm like that. That's bullshit. That doesn't ever happen. But as I get older, there's all these different scenarios that I'm like, hmm. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know if it's me looking for meaning and things, but it seems as if, Hey, the first house we put an offer in didn't go through. But remember, we are in contract with a house that is literally your dream home. You said you wanted a pool. This house had a pool. The first one didn't. Yeah. And, you know, we've all been in the situation where someone hasn't gotten the house and and they're heartbroken. And I always tell them, hey, this happened to me. I was devastated. We didn't get the first house we tried to buy when we bought this house. And... I was I was literally in mourning. I didn't even want to look at any more houses. I was just heartbroken. Yeah. I am so glad now that we didn't get that house and we bought this one instead. Right. So it it will work out. It will work out for the best. It's funny that you say that about you know worship. Yeah. I had some folks come in listing of mine. Remember the listing I had on the river? Yeah. That was yeah. waterfront. Well, they came to the open house and they were like, oh my gosh, we love this house. We want to buy it. And I'm like, awesome. I want you to. And they didn't qualify. Uh, 
And they were really upset. And I said, I'm telling you, everything happens for a reason. This is going to work out for the best. Well, her husband was like, horseshit. And he was like, I can't stand that. What does she think she is telling me? Well, long story short, another house came on the market that they absolutely completely love that is so much better for them. I ended up listing their house. And because of the timing, they ended up getting more money for their house because by the time their house got listed, the market was crazy and they ended up buying this beautiful colonial on acreage with waterfront they i went i just stopped by the other day because they have like a little mini farm going they got turkeys <laughs> and chickens and they love it and he even said to me when you said that day that it just wasn't meant to be and it was going to work out for the best i thought you were full of crap yeah but boy absolutely right it really this is such a better home for us than that one ever was. So yeah, it's so wild when shit works out like that. It's so crazy. Yeah. Oh, Donna, you are an amazing human being and an amazing realtor. Aww. Thanks for uh, doing the podcast with me. I appreciate you. Thanks for inviting me. And I look forward to hearing more podcasts. Yeah. I think uh, I told Brittany this morning, I was like, I think I need to get uh, Dwight on one too. I'll just oh. I'll pay Dwight to read my ads for me. <laughs> if he's in the other room, he just lit up like a light bulb. He's like, "What? Yeah." I'll... Is your is your podcast apolitical? Because... <laughs> yeah, that's 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 funny. I'm doing uh yeah. So I did one with uh, Mike to be released uh, on my birthday a few days after yours, and it was the first <laughs> time anybody's ever got me to speak political on a podcast. And I didn't like I wasn't I wasn't making like terms of left against right but if i got dwight on it would for sure turn into that (laughs) you know what would be a great um a great one to have a great podcast or conversation to have with dwight would be the lessons of history oh he he should have been a history professor the guy knows more about history than anybody i've ever met in my lifetime history professors in college And, you know, there's been so many times with everything that's going on in the world that he just draws these parallels from the past. And it's like, why don't we learn our lesson? Right. History repeats itself. You know, but but we never seem to learn. Yeah. And, yeah, that would be a good one. He would be good for that. I'll have to reach out to him soon. Have a couple beers, do a podcast with him. That'd be fun. There you go. Get wild. Donna, thank you. I appreciate the hell out of you. What was that? I said, you have work to do, and so do I. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. See you later. I just want to take a second to say thank you for listening to this episode of the Corey Cast. The love and support since I started this podcast has been nothing but incredible. Make sure you follow, rate, review the podcast. It would mean a lot to me. And if you share anything from the podcast, just use the hashtag CoreyCast. Thank you for your time, and I appreciate you guys. Love you all very much. Bye.